How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, maybe you didn't hear Mandy, but today is our eighth year anniversary service. Eight years, and like Mandy said, my name is Gino Allison. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all to our celebration this morning. Special welcome if you're a visitor with us today. So glad to see some new faces in the house, and also anybody that might be listening to us through our website or through our podcast. You're also welcome to come and worship with us here. But eight years is no, uh, no small thing, folks, especially in the church planting world as I consider uh, the fine people that started their churches and ministries uh, around the same time that we started. Uh, many of those people are not, you know, still in the game, and it's not because they weren't wonderful people. It's not because maybe they didn't hear from God. It's just simply because this is hard hard work. It's hard, hard work. And uh, some of you are acquainted with our story. Others of you are not. And because we have some new faces and because this is our, like, birthday, like, I just want to go through the story. My story starts, and I just saw my mom walk in. (laughs) Hey, mama, how you doing? Um, Gotta say hi to mama. Sorry. Um, I started with my story. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, son of a preacher man, grew up in a very homogeneous area. Uh, we had really no meaningful interactions with anybody who wasn't African American. Our churches, our schools, our whole social networks. And so you f- fast forward to the, uh, I guess, the fall of 1999. I graduated high school and I moved to uh, Champaign Urbana to go to the University of Illinois. And uh, you could. Imagine my culture shock to be in this new place, overwhelmingly white. Uh, it was dizzyingly disorienting, and I didn't know at the time, in the midst of all of that discomfort, that God would use that particular discomfort and how uncomfortable I was and how awkward that was being in such a different cultural space to really shape the formation of a dream uh, to see what you, you know, behold before you today. And so in the midst of that, just wondering who these people were, they want me, if I was, you know, cool with them, or were they cool with me, uh, the Lord just began through campus ministry and through the churches I was involved in to to, to give me really solid relationships with people who were different than me. The first time in my life I was interacting with white brothers and sisters, Latino brothers and sisters, Asian brothers and sisters, First Nation brothers and sisters, that, again, it was awkward, it was uncomfortable, but the Lord gave me friendships through these people. And as these friendships began to solidify, the Lord began to change my heart about how I viewed the world. I wouldn't consider myself to be an incredibly racist person, but I was extremely preference-driven, extremely driven by my preferences and, dare I say it, my prejudices. And God highlighted that when when he had me in this environment where I really felt like a fish out of water. And before long, I started liking these people, and after liking them, I started to love them, and God really began to transform and change my heart. Well, fast forward a little bit, I find the vineyard. Walk into the vineyard after an invitation from my friend, larger vineyard church in Urbana, Illinois. Again, same thing, super white room. I'm one of just a couple of African Americans in the room. Felt, again, that discomfort and that uneasiness come back again, but the Spirit of the Lord was in that place. And as the Spirit of the Lord drew me in through the worship and through the fellowship and the humility of the leadership, I've really begun to feel at home there. All the while feeling discomfort, uncomfortable, and really kind of upset. 
that I had to lay down so much of my cultural treasure in order to engage. It seemed like nobody minded that I was the only one uh, that seemed to have to give up a lot in order to function and to worship in the space where I was giving lots of my time and my energy and my effort to. And as I would complain to the Lord and others, I heard him say, it wasn't an audible voice, but I heard the Lord speak as clearly to me as I've ever heard him speak. He said, when you start your church, just make sure it's not that way. He didn't say, hey, if you get around to it, maybe if it's in the cards, that when you start your church, just make sure that it's not that way. And it was from a, whole, a place of holy, like, discontent, holy dissatisfaction, which, by the way, that many, that's many of the you know, ways that God kind of births something through a holy discontent, a holy dissatisfaction, uh, this upset in my, in my gut that maybe it didn't have to be this way. Maybe black and white, Latino and Asian, and on down the line could gather in a place. Of course, they would have to sacrifice. Of course, they'd have to lay down some of their rights and lay down some of their expectations. But maybe, just maybe, in a vineyard context, all these different types of people from different walks of life, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different uh, generational backgrounds could come in the same place, listen to the same message, sing the same songs, worship the same God on the same day, under the same roof. Just maybe, maybe we could get away with that. Maybe we could pull that off. And so we spent the next couple of years gathering a team, trying to find somebody who was as crazy as I was to sell their house and quit their job and to come with me here to create something out of nothing. And so in June of 09, my wife, myself, and 11 other people sold our homes, quit our jobs, and we moved here to the south suburbs to start the Vineyard Church. This, by the way, is our only, this is the only group photo we have uh, of our original church plant team. And it was at a SpongeBob-themed birthday party that they threw for me in the summer of 09. And I don't think, Big Mike, he, was, he hadn't even met Annie yet. He's, he, you know, on our team and Shantae and my cousin Jeremy's in there. He wasn't on our team. But this is our original uh, team. And these crazy folks came with me in the summer of 2009 uh, to start this. You can go to the next picture. And we right, when we first got here, we didn't have much to do, so we just started to try to figure out some places to go and serve, and that's us. You know, Joseph, Joseph, who's nine now, that's him in the carrier, and we were just serving at places and doing outreach and trying to, to make some friends and get to know some people. You can go to the next one. And uh, so we found this old dusty a meeting room in the basement of uh, St. Paul Community Church in, in, in downtown Homewood, and they gave us their fellowship hall in the basement, and this is, this is how we started. An old musty basement, St. Paul Community Church, eight years ago, like we started. We, we set up some chairs, hung a TV, put our instruments in there, and this is how we started at the very beginning. Now, this isn't the picture of our second service, but it could have been because <laughs> our first service, we had about 89 uh, people show up. And in the, in the church planting world, like we were a mega church on that, on that particular Sunday, right? And so after 90 you know, people showed up, mo- many of them were our friends and families who belonged to other churches. A lot of faith grew in me. I said, you know what? We're going to have to go to two services. <laughs> I told David and Shannon to like print extra bulletins. They were like, you know those people aren't coming back the second week. And I just told them, get behind me, Satan. Print some more bulletins. We're about to be mega. 
Sure enough, there was one person, and when, at the start of the second service, there was one person in the audience, and it was the first lady. <laughs> Shannon was the only person in the seats the first service, and I was on the drums during that opening song, and I just just wanted to die. I just wanted to die. Then I had to get up and preach the message, which was the most awkward, clumsy message. I was sweating, and in walked two families, and the message was just clumsy. It was clunky. I'm sweating, and I thought, how are we going to make it? And those people came up after they loved the service. And I thought, sure, that, that, like, they were just being nice to me. These people are never coming back. And those people ended up being with us for years and years and years. And that clunky awkwardness, the first, we just got the thing rolling. We eventually got it rolling. And so those day, days, in my recollection, were just defined by lots and lots of fun and excitement. We were all in our 20s at the time. We were throwing parties. We were meeting people. Like, we were, call, you know, making these new plans for our church. But at the same time, those early years were defined by lots and lots of awkwardness, clumsiness, like clunkiness, just like stumbling, not really knowing what we're doing. And while I had and still have lots of faith for this thing and the bright future that this church have, I often wondered every now and then, is anybody going to show up today? And that was a real question back in the early days because many days it was just like we were meeting at six, six, seven o'clock at night in this basement of this church. Nobody knew who we were. And really, I was just wondering before every service, like, is anybody going to come today? And sometimes I still wonder that in the first five minutes of this service as people just sort of come in casually late with, you know, Starbucks in their hands. Is anybody going to come to this thing? <laughs> but it was just defined by a lot of awkwardness and uncertainty, and I was having a problem with something that I always have a problem with, and many of you might have a problem with this, and that was just the smallness of it all. Just the smallness, the infancy of it all, I just had a problem with that. You know, what we were experiencing in those early days was not nearly what God had shown me in this great picture, this sea of diverse faces like that the picture that God promised us. It looked nothing like what I saw in those early days, and frankly, sometimes it looks nothing like what we see today. It's just the smallness of it all. And in my humanity and in my impatience, which I would say sometimes is the holy impatience, I just despised the smallness of it all. But the Scriptures tell us that despising small beginnings is terribly unwise. Because there is beauty in smallness. There's beauty in infancy and just the beginning stages. There's something necessary about starting small, and there's something necessary about the small beginnings that God gives us, especially when he calls us to something great, something significant, something impactful. There's something beautiful about small beginnings. And somebody needs to hear this this morning because somebody's about to blow it Somebody's about to get out of position. Somebody's about to leave something. God didn't tell you to leave or quit something that God didn't tell you to quit because it's awkward and small right now. Because it's unimpressive and not very many people know your name and not very many people are gathered to it yet. But how many of you know there's something necessary about small beginnings? 
I think about all the formation that happens when things are small. I think about our little ones that teeter around and how often they fall and how very little injury they sustain because they're so low to the ground. And I think that's why God makes you small as you're learning. Because when you fall, you don't have that far to fall. You get to make mistakes when the stakes are low. You get to be a goofball when just a few people. You get to discover how little faith you had and how little self-control you had when the stakes are low, when the impact is small. That's God in his sovereign mercy. I'm a firm believer in the fact that God is a family man, and God will only allow this church to grow to the degree that I can sustain being a good husband and a good father. God knows me. He knows my drive. He knows how crazy I get sometimes. And I feel like God will not allow this church to sabotage my family and not cause this church to be a hindrance to how I love my wife and how I raise my boys. And the same is true in every realm of life. God starts us small. It's an act of mercy. It's because he's generous and because he's good and he loves me and he loves you and he would dare not give us more than we can handle small beginnings. Who's small today? Who's at the beginning of something today? And I have learned and regularly I need to learn and settle into the beauty of small beginnings. I believe that God is establishing this church and this community as a pillar like a city on a hill of great impact and of great consequence. And I believe that God will cause this church to be here until he returns. In that sense, even eight years, we're still at the beginning of this thing. Even after eight years, we're still learning. We're figuring out our feet. We're wobbling and the stakes are still pretty low. But we, these are not years. These are not times. These are not seasons to be despised. Rather, We celebrate what God has done. We look forward to what he's going to do. And we remain what? Faithful in the process. Faithful in the process. The prophet told God's people after they had returned from exile. God's people had been captured and taken away. And when they returned, they found their city in ruins. Temple destroyed everything that they'd known destroyed, and there was great, like, this anxiety and great disappointment within them as they considered all the work to be done. And the prophet Zechariah said, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Jerubbabel's hands. Jerubbabel, the governor, the leader of Judah, as the people returned and found their city in ruins, all the work that they had ahead of them, they said, listen, don't be foolish. Don't despise these small beginnings because the Lord delights in those who put their hands to work in God's vineyards during the seasons of smallness. And so rather than being captured and taken by the size of things and how important you are and how in demand you are, we have to just continue to define success. What is success? How do we know whether or not we're hitting the mark? How do we know whether or not we're achieving the things that God has called us to achieve? 
Well, when I look at the scriptures, particularly the Great Commission, what Jesus calls us to do, he says simply in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came to his disciples and said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even until the end of the age. And what is God telling us? He's telling us that we are called to make an impact. We're called to change this world. And if ever we want to know if we're being successful, if we're on the path, if we're being strategic enough, if we have our ear toward heaven, we have to ask, are we being successful? Are we making an impact in this community? Are we making an impact in this community? And the answer is yes. We've gained tremendous favor in this community uh, over the years through serving the community, through being, uh, putting our head down and working and being uh, a blessing to this city and not a, and not a problem, uh, to being on the short list of folks that the city calls when they need some work done, when seniors need their show snubble, leaves right, they call the vineyard. We've established a re- reputation of making and impact. And I've seen over the last couple of years, and many of you have been able to see this as well, our small little church making an impact in the vineyard at large. 600 congregations within the vineyard movement, and our little church has been able to have some significant impact. We've had our worship people be involved at the national level. Alicia just got to lead worship at the national conference and did a fantastic job, by the way. We were also uh, a part of producing a national uh, vineyard worship release, which I co-produced with a friend of mine. And Leisha, again, got to sing a couple on this. A little tiny little church. Big impact. I was asked to give the keynote at our national conference, and God is using me and our church and our leaders and, our, and our, this prototypical little model here in a town that nobody really knows of unless you're from the Chicago area to shape diversity and the transformation on that front in our national movement. We were making an impact on a broad scale in our national movement, and that's really cool, and that's really awesome. But what really seems to matter as I look at this Great Commission is are we impacting real people in this community? Are we bringing transformation? Are we bringing goodness and light, sanctification, transformation, growth in real people real lives, the people that attend this church. And this is one of my favorite uh, services of the year because we get to hear testimonies. Like one after the other of people whose lives have been impacted by this church. Now, my wife and I as the pastors, we get to hear all these stories and, and we, you know, people tell us stuff all the time, but you get to hear what God is doing in this church. You get to see how your money and your time and your energy given to this work, is doing real meaningful good in the lives of the people who call this church home. And so for the rest of our time here this morning, excluding our worship time at the end, you're going to hear from a couple of people who are just going to simply tell what God is doing in their life as a result of our saying yes here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church. And so the first person that you're going to hear from today is India Peugeot. India, would you come up? Peugeot, Sorry. And India is also on staff here. She is uh, our administrative assistant, and uh, she is wonderful, right? <laughs> wonderful. And I didn't know how wonderful she was until we hired her, and I didn't know how inept I was until we hired her. But yeah. India is fantastic. She's going to share her story. India Bishop. Thank you. Hello. 
So I was asked to do the hardest thing in my life this morning and only talk for three to five minutes. Uh, yeah, let's, God, Lord, be with me. So uh, my story, I grew up in, in the church. Uh, my mom wasn't a church goer, but my grandmother was. It was very important to her, and so she would pick me up every Sunday, take me to church. We would do after, uh, you know, evening activities, we, weekend, all sorts of stuff. So I really got that foundation then, and that was really important. But I pulled a Romans 121. I will read that just for you in case you don't know off the top of your head. Um, and I, uh, this, I'm making it about me where the verse is all about they. For although I knew God, I neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But my thinking became futile and my heart was darkened. Um, and as I reached uh, adolescence, uh, I mean, teenage years, um, a a dark cloud of depression came over me. Um, I didn't feel the presence of God anymore. And I felt like, you know, oh, he should just be there, you know, hey, but he wasn't. I, or I didn't, I didn't perceive him. He was always there. I mean, we know that to be truth. Um, and so I made a lot of bad choices. Um, I chose to self-medicate my depression. Um, I did a lot of drugs um, started slow and it got worse and worse. And it was just an everyday thing. That was my life just maintaining. Now, you know, Lord willing, um, I, I was, I never had, you know, that really horrible ended up in jail moment, you know, surprisingly. Um, but it was, it was an idol that was taking control of my life. I looked to drugs and that high I would get. Um, it led me down really horrible paths. I was in bad situations. I mean, the things that normally come from that, prostitution and, and you know, people drawing guns on you and, and things like that. I mean, it's, you know, drugs aren't fun. Being addicted isn't a good thing for anybody. Um, I lost jobs. Uh, I wasn't able to take care of my family like I should, and I just, I didn't have any control over it. I wanted to stop doing drugs. I knew that what I was doing was wrong, um, that was an idol, that uh, that was separate from God, and, and, and I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to get away from that. But then God had mercy on me, and one day he just flipped a switch. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I just, I was like, you know what, I'm done with this. And I stopped. And it was maybe the next week, I think, that my husband found this church, and we came for the first time. Um, that was huge. I, I'm from the South. I'm, I'm expecting people to be all out, you know, hey, welcome to our church. Come on in. We'd gone to a couple of them, and people didn't do that. And I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Um, but they did that here. Okay, they did that here. I remember Yvette, the first, uh, Yvette Mayo, the first week, uh, weekend we came, she came up to us. She was like, hey, tell me your story. How are you? Tell me everything, blah, 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 blah. And it was wonderful. I loved it. That was what I was looking for. Somebody who cared. Um, I got to speak to Pastor Gino that very first Sunday, and I was like, I'm a drug addict. And he was like, okay, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> you know, and then, I mean, and even during that week, then he reached out to me and was like, hey, how you doing? Still good? You know, and I'm like, yes. So, um, I, you know, I, I had, God just really settled in my life. I'm, you know, different medications, which are working. So I'm, I, I, you know, like the depression has been lifted 
the, um, the addiction has been lifted. I mean, it's just a burden that's come off. Yes. Um, and then there's the community here. Now, you know, it's one thing to stop using drugs, but it's something entirely to keep on not using them. <laughs> Um, and that's been this community, the relationships I've made, the people that have nurtured me, have fed into me, have given me something else to do. Hey, I can go paint with a bunch of awesome people and laugh and stuff. I don't need to do what I used to do, you know, getting away from those kind of people um, and and working out, changing the way I think, working working that out through small groups, through you know, ladies' nights, just saying, hey, so this is the issue I'm having. What do you guys think? And they're like, oh, well, maybe try this, maybe try this, maybe try, you know, it's just having that constantly, um, people building me up and instead of tearing me down. And it's just, it's, it's been amazing. So um, when I was at the retreat uh, this recently, um, I, I went to prophetic prayer and the guy said, I see you in a car. You're you're in you're in traffic. You're driving and there's a big traffic jam and and you're screaming out the window and you're laying on the horn and I'm like, "Okay, stop looking." Um, <laughs> and he goes, "And then all of a sudden God just opens a path for you and you have a clear path." And I was like, "Whoa!" Because that's totally what's happened. I mean, I was full of rage and anger and sadness. And and God just opened up a path. Now, to be clear, I still have the same problems. You know, we still have struggles with money and with, you know, all sorts of different stuff. I'm still in that traffic jam. But I got my, my We Are Ready CD <laughs> in the, the car. You know, I've got my friends and family in the car with me just like, hey, you're going to make it. Don't worry. You know, I know that God has that plan for me. I know that I'm on it. And I know that all of the things that have happened are working together for my good because of the Lord Jesus Christ and this community. Um, so I am over a year and a half clean. Yes. And that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> that is all God and all the support I get from you guys. So I, that's, that's my story. I think I did it. Well, well, let's just keep it moving then. Let's keep it moving. Hey, uh, sister Mickey, where are you? Come on up here. Mickey range. I'm super nervous, and India just did so good, and I'm about to read. So, <laughs> um, so bear with me. Um, um, I honestly feel like everything that I had prayed for in the church, I found it here. Um, I really wanted to be a part of a group of very humble Christians. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to my church to be more of a family, and not just people kind of going to church together. Um, I pray for a group of people who were striving to, to live the way, to, to please God. You know, not a perfect people, but really people focusing on trying to please God. Um, and I had so many bad church experience, 
experiences that I found myself just really not wanting to go to church anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I learned quickly that this journey is very difficult to walk alone. You need that fellowship. Um, so um, the sign that's on uh, Governor's Highway down there, I saw that sign and it made me Google the church. And the first sermon that I heard was Ramon's sermon um, about he was giving his, telling his story. He was talking about his, um, his struggles, his wife, his life, even how God humbled him. And it was really refreshing to hear because I had been to so many churches that really focused on carnal prosperity, you know, kind of God focusing on what God will do for you. And um, so it was pretty refreshing to hear. Um, um, I, I enjoyed it so much for the next few days. I think I listened to every sermon on the, on the um, Internet um, until I decided to visit because I had kind of, I really didn't want to come, but I enjoyed the sermon so much that I decided that I wanted to come. So, um, and when I did, I was really very impressed with the sincerity of the church. It's like I could feel it. I was, um, the, 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 the feeling of the church, the sincerity of the people, the worship, um, it wasn't the lights, camera, action that I was accustomed to in the black church. You know, it was very, like, just very humble, very focused on God, and I enjoyed that. Um, I was actually so shocked at it that I called the church, and Gino happened to answer the phone, and I said, are, are, you, are you people for real? You know, like, is it, like, is this, like, a Sunday show, or is it for real? And he just suggested, he said, well, you see for yourself. You know, come to church, fellowship, go to small group, and you see for yourself. So I did. Um, and I've been here for three years, and I can honestly say it's for real. Like, I haven't had any bad experiences here. Everybody has been 100% genuine. But so my first small group experience was with Jesse and uh, Jesse and Mark's home. And um, I think I met Marisol there that day, Annie and Mike. And um, I think I cried through the whole small group <laughs> because it was so genuine. I had never really experienced it was you know, in someone's home, it was intimate, and I really enjoyed the worship, and Marisol sung, and I, it was like heaven opened up, you know, so um, it just, I just really enjoyed it, and once again, it was like just the sincerity and realness and the genuineness of it all, um, it just, it just touched me. Um, um, the people here, period, have been so kind to me. Um, Gina and Shannon have been great leaders and friends, um, Sometimes I feel bad for how much I, especially starting out, I used to text them all the time and call them with my, and they were always very patient with me, very, and never treated me any different, no matter what they knew about me. Just like what India said about her drug addiction. It is like this attitude of, okay, that's your issue. Okay. You know, it was never any judgment. Um, if I let my life pull me away from the church, I always got texts. Eugene always texts me, Tony. Um, Miss Diane, always, you know, where you been? Or just praying for me, you know, hope to see you soon, which was, um, it was just, it was just nice because I've been a part of big churches and, and you come up missing and you don't even get a phone call or, you know, it's like you come back in six months and they like, oh, oh, you, you were missing, you know? <laughs> so, um, it was just, it's just nice. Um, Carice, Mandy, Eugene, Denise, Nunia, Craig, it's just everybody has always been just so generous, kind, praying for you, concerned for you. I mean, genuinely concerned for you. Um, and 
I feel safe here. I feel loved. I feel like I can grow. And I look forward to growing even more. And I really have no plans on going anywhere else. Thank you for sharing that, Mickey. We're glad, and we're glad you're here as well. We're going to hear from John Middleman. Give John a hand as he comes. Uh, good morning. Uh, as Gino said, my name's John. Uh, my wife, Allison, is over there, and we have our two girls in Kids Church. Uh, I hope what I have to say is more of encouragement to you guys from maybe a new inside perspective, I guess, now, now that we're members. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sick. Uh, so last year, my shift at work uh, prevented me from going to Sunday morning services. So uh, this year, when my shift changed, we decided to start looking for a new church. I personally wanted to go to the church that was five minutes away. Uh, it was comfortable, convenient. Uh, but Allison uh, was determined to go to a multicultural church. So uh, I decided to follow her lead with that and see where God took us on that one. Not to name names, but we went to a local, uh, a close multicultural church that was a lot larger than this one. Um, Allison uh, really enjoyed it, the preaching and the worship. Uh, everyone was really welcoming. The preaching was sound, but it really didn't resonate with me. Um, so the next Sunday, Allison dragged me here, like literally dragged me. Uh, I, I really didn't want any part of it. And um, Jordan was preaching. Uh, so that's funny. Gino has not the center stage with a couple of our stories here. Uh, Jordan was preaching, and uh, I don't think the band was even that big. Uh, but during this, the musical worship, uh, I clearly felt God's presence and him tell me, this is where I want you. So for being dragged here to go to that was very profound for me. Um, after the service, my wife was just like, eh. You know, let's, let's go back to that other church. So uh, we did that. Uh, I said, all right, we'll see. I don't know if I told her what God revealed to me during that service, but I said, well, we'll see what happens. We went to the, the, multi, the other church, and it just it no longer held any weight to her. And we both felt called here, and we've been here ever since. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you guys. The spirit that was present on my first Sunday has been evident so many Sundays since in a way that I've honestly never experienced before for such a long duration. And I just want to give you a couple of reasons why I believe that's true here. So one of the reasons I believe God's spirit is so present here is just the format of the service. The word is preached, and then we respond in musical worship. There's just something so natural and yet profound about that. We say, yes, this is true. The reading of scripture is true, and then our Feelings flow from that in our expression of worship. And that's a whole sermon for another day. Uh, but another reason I believe God's spirit is so present here is the unashamed preaching of the scripture. There's rarely a Sunday that I leave not feeling convicted to grow and mature in my faith and excited to see what God is doing in my own life. I'm so thankful for Gino and his application of scripture to our culture, not the other way around. To his practical application of scripture, not some watered-down self-help guide, but the full weight of God's word as we press in in faith. Uh, another reason I believe God's spirit is so present here is the genuine response to our musical worship. I've stood quietly many Sundays just witnessing God's presence, feeling like an outsider, but uh, observing a beautiful sunset, just soaking it all in as you all worship God. 
Our worship leaders do a great job of leading us and expressing through their own voices and music their affections for God. And lastly, I believe God's spirit is so present here as the family of faith that seeks out new people, that prays for each other, that genuinely wants to know how you are doing and the desire to serve in this church and this community. God is at work here. My wife and I celebrated 10 years of marriage this last year. and While a great accomplishment, there's still much room for growth and maturity as we seek to reflect God's grace in our lives. So I'm excited to see, just as I am in my marriage, I'm excited to see where God takes this church the years ahead. Thank you, John, and we are uh, more than blessed to have you and your family here. Um, and so the, the next person that's going to share, it just happens to be SSV's newest member. His brother joined the church, Esteban Ranfiche. Would you come up, uh, Esteban? Esteban joined this week. Give him a hand. So Esteban is new around here, and I just asked him to share with us today what God is doing in his life and anything else he wanted to bless us with. Esteban. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Esteban Rodriguez. Uh, um, I've met a, a whole bunch of you guys because you guys are so kind and warm and always want to try to be somebody. So, um, And I try to remember everybody's name. And, you know, that's funny because as um, at my old church, I was there for a little while. And I didn't know everybody's name, but every person here that I've met and talked to, for some reason, I've, I've been able to remember their name. So if you don't remember my name, that's fine. But I do remember your name, and I don't know why that's happening, but I guess it's the Lord saying, okay, this is where you're supposed to be. Um, so I was kind of surprised when uh, Gino asked me to speak this morning, since I've only been here since April, but I'm honored. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, this is actually, I've been saved since uh, May 17, 2003. And this is actually the first time anybody's ever asked me to give my testimony in this kind of setting. So please bear with me. I am, I'm also nervous. So, okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, when, I, when I got saved, I joined my wife's church. And it was, a, it was a good church. You know, it didn't have any problems. You know, they had good music like they do here. You know, and I was, I was into it. Um, but it wasn't a diversified church. And if I had probably chosen a church for myself, by myself, I would have chosen a more diversified church. I would say it was 98% African-American, the church, and there was me and a white lady, and that was it. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole rest of the church. Um, um, my, my wife, she passed away in 2011. She went to join the Lord, and at that time, I talked to the pastor, and I said, you know, Pastor... I've always wanted to be at a more diverse church, and he came to me, and he said, you know, we had this heart-to-heart, and he said, well, why don't we try to make this church more diverse? I don't want you to leave, so, so I said, okay, well, you know, if that's what you want, Pastor, I'll stay for a little while. So I stayed for a little while longer, and um, about four years later, he passed away, and the church had not changed at all. It was just me and a white lady. <laughs> um, so... I went to talk to his son, who he had become the new pastor, and I get I had my and I told him my concerns about joining a more diversified church, and he told me, uh, well, he was more he was more honest. I don't know if the other pastor was being less honest, but 
This one told me the location of the church, this church will probably never be diversified, you know. And he gave me blessings to, you know, if I wanted to find another church. But I, st I stayed there for two more years. Um, but I was feeling stagnant. And frankly, I was, I was kind of unhappy there because really, since my wife was no longer there and the other people there, we didn't have a close connection. I didn't have a close connection with the other people here. I've, had, I've actually had closer connections with people here since I've been here than I had there. Um, but it wasn't a bad church. I don't, I don't want to put that church down because it wasn't a bad church. So I started looking for a new church. I went on the, uh, I asked people, but nobody really would give me information about it. I don't know if they didn't want me to leave or whatever. But <laughs> I went on the Internet and I put in, um, what did I put in? I put diversified churches in the south suburbs of Chicago. And this was the first one that came up, South Suburban Vineyard. <laughs> if you try it, it'll be the first one that comes up. And I, um, I checked out the website and everything, you know, saw a couple of sermons. I said, okay, I think I'll try this church out just to see. So, um, so I checked it out, and first time, and I really enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was wonderful. I prayed on it, and, and I came a couple of more times. This was right before, this was in April, right before... Um, um, Easter, and the pastor of my old church, I told him I was going to change churches, you know, we talked about it, and he told me to stay there till Easter, and then, you know, pastor wanted to change to go ahead. He actually told me, you know, what, what we'll do is we won't tell anybody here for six months that you're leaving, because you might decide to come back, you know, so I guess he really wanted me to stay there, but I, I'm blessed that that happened, but... Um, and then my first, let me, I, I, I want to talk about my first impression when I came here. There was uh, Pastor Gino and Pastor Shannon, Pastor David, you know, and, and I was, oh, my God, they're so young. I mean, <laughs> look at them. They're so young. To me, they're young, you know. Maybe the younger people here, they're, you know, the, the teenagers and stuff, but to me, they're so young. And I said, what could I have to offer this church, you know? What, how could I fit in in this church? And they made me feel so welcoming, you know, and stuff like that. And, and after that. I just wanted to say that their youth was not a problem. You know, in fact, after that, to be um, that youthfulness, I found it as a blessing and one of the best aspects of this church. I mean, there, there are a lot of young people here, but, you know, it's wonderful. Like Psalm 103, uh, verse 5 in the NOT, it says, He fills my life with, God, with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. So I feel like since I've been here, my life has been uh, renewed, and my youth has been renewed, excuse me, and I, don't, I no longer feel stagnant. My days uh, have returned to being purpose-filled, especially because you keep pushing me. <laughs> Gino and I are the only ones in our men's group, <laughs> and I think I've become like a special project to him. He's, he's going to be... <laughs> uh, so, and I've been able to um, find more, more worth here and happiness, actually. So I want to thank each and every one of you for allowing me to become part of the South Suburban Vineyard Church family. And because you, you guys are kind, you're, the diversity here is wonderful, um, you're welcoming, and I, and I love now the youthfulness of this church. So thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, this is, this is our men's small group right here, me and Esteban. <laughs>
And sometimes God cooks it just that way. We've had large men's groups, but every now and then when somebody needs a little extra tune-up, he'll make it just so that they are locked in for a few hours with me once a week. So, so we're going to keep it moving. I'm going to ask Fran to come and share. Give Fran a hand as she comes. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran. Um, I've been coming here for uh, about, um, with a small break at some point, uh, probably about um, three years, three and a half years. My daughter's four, um, my first daughter. Um, and I started looking for a church. I wanted, um, actually, I only had two requirements. Um, I didn't know what I want, re- wanted, really. I wanted uh, a diverse church and... I wanted some place with kids, which this fit the bill um, the first time I came here. Um, and uh, I remember being, um, I, f- I found the church through a recommendation of uh, two friends, um, one of my longest friends uh, that I've had since I was a little girl. She was like, yeah, if I went to church, I'd go there. And I was like, oh, that holds weight for me, you know, because I, I respect this person. And um, also uh, somebody who uh, doesn't go here, she comes sometimes, but she's, she goes to another church too. My friend Lauren was like, oh, I knew she had gone there. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. So I'm sitting there. And it was uh, one of the infamous relationship sermons that we've all become familiar with if you've been here a while. And I was like, yeah. I, I hear what this man is saying. I, I, I hear it. This is good. So um, I came, I was coming kind of, and everybody was really friendly. And what sticks out at me, um, I don't know if it was the first or second time that I came, but uh, Annie and Mike Wilson were just really friendly to me. And other people were too. They, they stick out in my head specifically because I was wearing the shirt from this movie Serenity, and Mike was like, Janestown. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, people here watch Serenity? I was like, cool. They're like regular, you know. So I'm, I'm sitting here, and, you know, I'm listening to sermons coming week after week, and um, I, I don't quite remember the historical timeline. Um, there was a small portion of time when I flaked out and wasn't coming, and then I was like, wait, I haven't been to church in months, so came back and everybody's like where have you been so they remembered me this is great I think people like me and um it was you know I got more, oh, more involved at that point and I was going to small group and I was at um the first small group I started going to was kind of like a combination group between um Jesse and Mark Embry and Annie and Mike Wilson and it was really I don't know how to explain it. Um, I come from a background of uh, kind of I knew about God, but you didn't know God. You knew about God. You knew about religion. You knew um, it was just a little, like, cold, I guess. And I was like, no, that is not for me. And then I was kind of agnostic, kind of atheist, kind of whatever, and um, when my kids were little, I was like, no, I want them raised to have, I don't, like I said, I don't know what I was looking for, but I want them raised to have hope, okay, which is something that I don't know what happened. Somewhere when I turned into a teenager, I didn't have it. I did not have hope, and it lasted through my teenage years. It lasted through my 20s, and I didn't have hope, okay, hope for the world, hope for me, hope for anything. It, 
and I don't know how many of you feel hopeless a lot of times, but um, this was kind of a common theme. And when I started coming here and I really got involved, I was like, I like Jesus. I like what these people are saying about Jesus. They're not just yelling about what everybody's doing wrong. They're telling you how you can become a, a different person. You can be transformed. You can have this transformative power of Jesus. And I was like, I like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I was doing all this. And I, um, I remember being here one Sunday, and it was very gradual. And I remember being here one Sunday going, gosh, you know, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I guess I should say I'm going to follow Jesus, right? Say it out loud. So I came up, and I, with Jenny Mompathanato, I was up here, and I said, you know, I think I should do this. And there wasn't lightning bolts or anything. I didn't have that kind of experience. Um, but uh, I made the verbal commitment to follow Jesus. And it has just been... I still experience hopeless feelings, all right? But I know the, the change that has been in my life is since coming here specifically with all of these people, with Ramon and Yvette, with Craig and Nunia. I don't know if you've ever been to their house, but you walk in and you're like their family. It's amazing. I I wish I I were like that. I don't know how that happens. (laughs) Every, you walk in, like, my, my sister and brother. It's amazing. I don't know where these, it's great. And all of the people here, every small group I've been in, just with Tony and Derek, with uh, with every every small group I've been in, it's been so refreshing, and it's. I'm so nervous. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just with. <laughs> I started. I started coming here because I wanted my children raised to be hopeful, and it's happening. I see it in them. I I am more hopeful. I people, you know, you ask about the church affecting the community at large. It's affecting me, and I am part of the community at large. Like, this is, I, I am more hopeful. It is out there. Like, we are sending it out there, and um, with the world beating us up um, constantly, as it does, that's what happens. I have, I come away from here with the knowledge that it is the this is what's happening. There's the two different sides working here, but there is another side. It's not just the bad side. It's the good side, too, and there's hope, and it's it's okay. It's okay. There's hope, and that's that's the biggest thing I get from being a part of this church, and um, anybody I haven't said, I mean, you've all touched me, so don't, like, if I haven't said your name up here, I, I, the list, I could name everybody who I, whose name I know that at this church who um, who has who has touched me in my life. So I I had something written down and it was like five pages long. I was like I can't I can't use this. This is this is a novel. So um that's kind of I, I just the hope. Like keep spreading it everybody. Please. This it's it touches me so much. And it it just touches uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, thank you. Thank you. And these are some good testimonies. Uh, we got one more, though. And this last person is, um, some of you know her, Alicia Shepard, one of our worship leaders. Uh, wait just a second. 
So Alicia, years ago when Jenny stepped down as worship coordinator, I asked Alicia if she would be the worship coordinator, and she told me no. She said no. And so I said, well, would you at least do the scheduling and basically all the work of the coordinator without the title? She said, okay, I'll do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, I, and I told her a couple of days ago when I asked her to share today that uh, with all of the people, by the way, um, our, that picture that you saw of our church plant team, like all of those people are still here actively serving in this church, which is just nuts. That's crazy <laughs> in the church planting world. But I got to say with Alicia, uh, particularly her involvement in worship and just to see her. I think that I've seen the most growth and transformation in this young lady as she just sort of walked her life out with Jesus and serving faithfully in the church that I've seen like in anybody in a long time. And so I asked Alicia to share, be, the, be our last person to share today um, just what God has done in her life through this church. So give her a hand as she comes. Alicia. I'm Alicia, and uh, like Gino said, I've been here since we've started, and he's now trusting me to come and talk to you guys. So, um, but I'm I'm really nervous too. Um, so he asked me actually on Friday morning, and my response was <laughs> like, <laughs> like no. So um, I kind of had like a day to try to write everything, and and so I'm like typing everything, and and I just had. I think too much to say, and so I try to narrow it down, so hopefully I, I don't take too long, but so yeah, so here I go. So um, I didn't really know where to start, like, I, like do I start from when I was a child, do I start from when I first met you guys, I didn't know, so um, I just decided to answer the question, how has SSB uh, drawn me closer to Jesus, and um, it actually started even before we planted the church. So um, I think there are, were two major things that uh, helped me to draw closer to Jesus, and the first one would be the people. Um, I started visiting the Vineyard Church in Urbana either in uh, 2008 or 2009, and it was a little bit different from what I was used to. I, I grew up with a majority black congregation. We were loud. We, you know did things a little bit differently than they did in the Urbana Vineyard. But for some reason, I liked that church a lot. Um, and the people, they were so welcoming. They were so, they, they were just so kind. I'm not, I'm not going to cry. I'm not. <laughs> um, so that wasn't even really my church. It was um, this this dude I was dating at the time, uh, he went there, and um, we broke up, and I didn't feel like it was my place to go to that church anymore, but I just really liked it, and so I was kind of avoiding going <laughs> going there for a while because I didn't want to want him to see me like, you're at my church, don't be here, and so, <laughs> and so, um, one Sunday, and, and also I, I had a, a Sunday evening class, and I would go to the evening services there. 
And so I had a Sunday evening class, didn't know if I should be going there because it wasn't my church. And I was going to my class, and I was passing the vineyard up, and I decided I'm going to go to church anyway, right? So I go, and then I'm, like, walking outside the door. It's like, okay, am I going to go in? <laughs> like, you know, should I go in? And um, Joanna, I don't know her last name, but Joanna, um, she's, she had met me previously, and so she sees me outside, like, trying to decide if I'm going to go in. And she comes out, and she's like, are you going to come in? And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I should go in. I don't want him to see me. So she knew who ex- exactly who I was talking about. She's like, hold on a second. So she goes, and she peeks around, and she's like, okay. He's on that side. So you come and sit on this side. And so, like, she sat me in this chair, like, way in the back, like, total opposite side of where he was at. And I don't remember who was preaching that day. It may have been Goulet. I can't remember. But everything that I was going through in that moment or in that time of my life, he was speaking on it. And, like, it just really touched me because I wasn't even going to go to church. I wasn't going to go in, like even drive there. Then I wasn't going to go in. Then I get in and he's like talking to, I mean, he may have been talking to other people, but for me, it was like he was talking directly to me. He was speaking into my life. And so, um, so like we have ministry time and well worship and then ministry time. And then I'm like ugly crying, like, like it was horrible. And, and so, you know, you guys say, come up and get prayer. If this, if, if this is for you. So I go up and get prayer and, um, I go to Erica Bauer. And so she prays for me. And afterwards she, um, invites me to come to a small group that she's a part of. And so at this point, I'm like all like gung, like, oh, like, yes, like I came to church. This message was for me. Like, this must be a sign from God that you need to be more serious about changing your life. Because, you know, I had been saying I need to go to church more. I need to change my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't doing it. And so, um, so yeah, so now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. And, um, yeah, so... I go to the small group, and um, I was introduced to a pretty awesome lady. You may know her. Her name is Shannon. Yeah, Yeah, where is she? I don't know. Wherever she is. Shannon. And um, where am I? (laughs) So, yeah, but Shannon, um, I don't know, just without even knowing it, just her being herself, just living her life, she made me want to be a better person. And one of the things that I was really impressed by was because they were so young. They were around my age. I'm just a little older. But they were around my age. But they were really living to please God. And I wasn't used to that, right? So my friends and the people I hung out with, we had the idea that 
we're young, so we're supposed to be making these bad decisions, these irresponsible decisions, and, and God understands that, but that is not true. So, <laughs> but that is something, you know, I was trying to convince my, myself of, and then I see the, the, this young couple, and they're leading a small group, and they're living this life that's pleasing to God, and that's like, I want to be like that, and so... And I don't, I don't know if, if she did this on purpose, but um, in small groups, we would break into different smaller groups at the end so we could pray for each other. And a lot of the times I was with Shannon. Now, maybe she did that on purpose because she knew I had a mouth and she didn't want anyone else to hear what I was going to say. But <laughs> she, she was there. She was always encouraging. Um, and, and I would always want to tell her like things I was going through or decisions I was about to make because just because of the person she is I knew I could trust what she was going to say any advice that she was going to give me and um so so yeah so I would like talk her ear off and so it it just really she just really started to shape the decisions that I, I I started making and I remember one time I was running my mouth and um I was about to say something I, I didn't want her to know. And so I stopped. And uh, she goes, well, if you don't want to tell me, what do you think that means? And I'm like, well, <laughs> that I shouldn't be doing it, you know. And so, so that just little small question, like, it, it affected a lot of the decisions I made in the future. Like, she became my accountability partner, even if she knew it or not. I would call her, even, even if you didn't want to be, you were. So she, like, she just helped me, like, through a lot of things, like, and, and, and I knew if I had to talk to Shannon about something and I did not want to tell her that I did a certain thing, then maybe I shouldn't be doing that thing. So, so yeah, so that was Shannon, but um, I have more. Vineyard, you guys just introduced me to a lot of just amazing people. Um, another person I have is Stephanie Snow, and she she doesn't go here anymore, but when she did, she she did a lot of things in my life. But one of the major things is, is that she helped me to fall in love with small groups. And I didn't realize the importance of small groups when we planted this church um, I was just really going to small group because it's a requirement of being on a worship team. So I was just doing my duty. And so, I mean, I was. So, so when I went to her small group, it just, she just created an atmosphere of, like, it's just friends just hanging out. And we just so happened to be talking about the Bible. And her excitement for for God, for, for small group was just so contagious. And so, so yeah, so we go there and I, I started to see the importance of doing small groups in the community and talking to each other and sharing our stories and, 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 and putting the Bible into our, or putting ourselves into the Bible, I guess is the right way to say it. And, and that just started to also, again, shape the different decisions I would make and things I would do in my own personal life. Um, Yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, so I don't know if I would enjoy or even like small groups as much if it wasn't for Stephanie. And like, even to today, like I've started a small group at my job. That's how much like I like it. You know, I, I didn't used to like it. And now I'm like, Oh, everyone needs to do small groups, you know? So, um, so, yeah, and not only did she, um, just make me fall in love with small groups like Stephanie she really knows how to make people feel special and she loves people the way that they need to be loved not not I'm gonna love you the way I want to love you but the way that you need to be loved and um she she just showed me just a, a different way of loving people and and then that made me want to also do that with others you know and she's also the type of friend that she wasn't afraid she just wanted us to get this christian life right and so she wasn't afraid to like hey you're not you're not doing that right you know but she would she would say it in a like a loving way that i would have to receive it you know (laughs) But, like, even if it's like, dang, she bust me out. But, like, coming from her, you know, I needed that, you know. And so, so yeah, so she. But, anyway, there's a, a lot of people who have helped to to, to shape the, the way I am today uh, just by the way they live their lives, the way that they treat other people. I think what really um, gets me is the love that people show like Craig and Nunya, like Nunya had me at her house, like all day doing my hair and Craig cooked and he was swapping movies in and out and he, he made guacamole. Thank you. And like, it was great. And, and, um, Jesse, my boo, Jesse, yeah, she like, she would just call, and say, hey, I'm cooking dinner for you today. Come over. Like, just the, the thoughtful, Tony, like, she's always wanting, she, she's keep working on me being more social. I'm not that social, but, like, she's always encouraging me to be more social and pour into p- other people. Like, this is just, the way that you guys love, I feel, is the way that Jesus loves. And so, I don't know, it just makes me feel good, makes, makes me want to, make other people feel good, I guess. Um, and then another thing, of course, is being on a worship leader. Um, when I first started out, I did not know what I was getting myself into. Shannon, she asked me to join. I said, sure, because it was Shannon. And, and I did not understand the responsibility that I, I had. And then I'm, I'm, I was up here, and I'm trying to just make sure I'm doing everything perfect, and everything is like, you know, right on cue and things like that, that I, I forgot that I was supposed to be worshiping God. And, and I would meet people like going to the different conferences and, and people who would come here to lead worship. And we're talking to each other and it turns out that they have the same, the same stress things that, you know, I was stressing about. And, you know, they're encouraging me like, oh, just let God use you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And, it wasn't until I actually started doing that that I was able to worship him for myself. And I guess through me just worshiping God, it poured out to here. And then you then I, I, I have people who are always encouraged, like Miss Diane, Tony, Shantae, like like 
different people who are always coming up to me saying that the way I, that we worship, like, it's encouraging to them. It makes them want to worship. Giovanni, like, the way he he, 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 he used to say, like, I just want to yell out like you. And I'm like, do it, you know. And and so he does, he does now. And I don't know. It's just really good to know that when I started to focus on God, that's when it just started pouring out. And it's really important. And I'm glad that I have the opportunity to do this for you guys now. I didn't know back then, you know, what a great opportunity it was. So me wanting to to get it right, I think makes me work hard, makes me makes me get more involved in and in, in things like that. I still don't want to make any hard decisions, but you know, just being able to do this is helping me grow too. So that is the end. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Alicia. I, I, made, I did make a mistake. I thought that was the last one. We got one more. One more. I asked Amanda to share because God has done so much in her. And so would you give Amanda a hand as she comes? Sorry, Amanda. So my name's Amanda Ellison, as most of you already know, and over a year ago, my husband Fred and I found SSV while looking for churches online. We were looking for deep community and diversity and a place to be challenged. As soon as we walked in, we instantly felt welcome and accepted, like most everyone else has been talking about. When Gino approached us and asked us to meet with him just to learn more about us, I couldn't help but get excited that this church really did care about people. My husband and I started to become regular attenders, and before I knew it, we felt God calling us to attend a small group. Yvette and Ramon Mayo's small group was my first experience with deep community in a church. And this is where I first got to know Nikki, Jordan, Jenny, David Jacob, Eugene, Shante, Mark, and all their kids. I couldn't help but feel overwhelmed with joy at how much they loved and cared about each other and serving others. I truly felt loved and accepted and part of a family. I then went on to attend Gino's Alpha Class small group, and then Nikki and Jordan Arsenault's small group. Both continued to challenge me in my walk with God and really deepen my community in the church. I have also been able to attend various women's nights, which have been great opportunities for God to challenge me to connect with women that I don't know as well. There are a few women that I have really been able to get to know better over the past year and have been such a blessing in my life. These are friends that I know I can count on, and I am so thankful for all of their wisdom and support. This includes Shante, Nikea, Nikki, Jenny, and Yvette, to name a few. There are many ways I have been challenged to develop my God-given gifts. I have recently started leading a Bible study with Shannon. I have been challenged to step out of my comfort zone, and it has been such a blessing. I have been able to meet so many amazing women and have gotten to know them on a deeper level, which continues to strengthen our friendships. In the past few months, I have also been able to start training with the worship team. I am so thankful just to be able to see how much God is working through everyone and how supportive everyone is of each other. So, through SSV, I have found a place for support, love, and acceptance. I have found a place to continue to trust God and to take steps of faith, all the while knowing that I am surrounded by fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who will challenge and support me along the way. So the worship team can come as we just begin to transition. And I'm thankful for uh, Amanda because, you know, one of the things that I was just blown away, I'm always reminded during these testimonies is we did not specifically ask people to focus on uh, small groups, 
But it, I think that came up in every single testimony. And what we say is small groups is our pastoral care system. Small groups is how we get the people done, right? Life on life in communities. And so we're talking about people leading small groups and going in small groups and being deeply tra- transformed in, in small groups. That's what God is doing in this community through friendships, through relationships, through worship. Like, it's happening here, folks. And so sometimes when I'm discouraged, sometimes when I want things to move a little bit faster, I just think about these moments And frankly, what I should probably do is go back and listen to the recording of these testimonies of people who've been blessed by this church. Folks, it's happening. We started small, but we're growing, and God is doing something fantastic in this place. And so if you're on the fence, if you've just sort of been in and out, you've just sort of been making casual commitments, I think God might be calling you to press into a place of commitment because God is really using this church to grow people and to transform them to look more and more like Jesus. And so I'm just thankful for everybody who shared.